is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. A terrifying journey into the supernatural. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. I'm Leo. I'm Lauren. I'm Trevor, and we are the Boo Crew. Welcome to episode 237. This time around, you are hanging out with some of our best friends in the whole world, two award-winning and incredible creators, musicians, filmmakers, and writers who we respect very much, Spider-One and Chrissy Fox. They join us to announce an exciting new horror adventure we will be embarking on with you in the passenger seat that a time of release begins today. Also, the incredible Alana Glazer and Sophia Bush stop by to share their insane new A24 film, False Positive, available on Hulu June 25th. It's a brilliantly told, unsettling journey that bends and contorts reality as you tumble through it. It's all about the birth of something terrifying on episode 237. Here we go. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining the Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio, she is a highly acclaimed musician and performer fronting the bands Knee High Fox and Quinn. As a songwriter, she's written massive hits alongside Theory of a Dead Man and for artists such as New Year's Day, Hailstorm, and Pop Evil. She's been seen on screen as an actor appearing in projects including the Underworld franchise and not only starring but writing and directing her own films. The multi-award-winning short What the Spell and the upcoming features Frank and I Live Alone also featuring Bonnie Aarons, a.k.a. Valak from The Conjuring Universe. Also here with us is a filmmaker, visual artist, and musician from fronting the influential platinum-selling rock band Power Man 5000 to creating and producing the series Death Valley for MTV, working closely alongside Fearnet, building original horror content, and with a new feature called Allegoria in the works. Everything he does has been thrilling, bold, and different. They have been both very much baked into the fabric of the Boo Crew. We welcome Spider-One and Chrissy Fox. Amazing, guys. You know what? Can I just say something before we get going? Yeah. Oh, boy. Here it goes. I think you breath, everybody. Here's the thing. Look, I feel like you have become famous for these, these introductions. You know what I mean? To the point it, of famous? Like, I don't know about that, but infamous. people away sometimes. Yeah. But you, you give so much love to all your guests with these flattering intros. Would it be okay if I give you guys an intro? <laughs> sure. Sure. Go for it. <laughs> your first mistake. If this isn't, if this doesn't go well, she wrote it. I did not write it. Oh my <laughs> okay. god! Okay, get ready. Go. Right. Oh boy! What can be said about this crew that hasn't already been said behind their backs by every other horror podcaster? <laughs> <clears throat> Probably not that much. But let's start with their innate ability to feign interest multiple times a week on whatever marginally average horror movie that comes across their desk. There's more. I'm sorry. This culture-defining podcast trio doesn't always waste their time on garbage. No. They have... They have, to the surprise of us all, hosted many A-listers on the broadcast. Megan Fox, Kevin Bacon, and even Danny Elfman have all been tricked into being on the film. <laughs> but don't think, ooh, but don't think that, <laughs> this, is, this is good, but don't think that they turn their backs on the less famous. History shows us that anyone, and I mean anyone, can be a guest on their show. 
just asked. You want me to read uh, episode? Hold on, I got this. Oh, episode seventy-three guest Mark Bixby. <laughs> Is that a real episode? <laughs> no. <laughs> Mr. Bixby lived in a tent under the overpass two miles from the set of Puppet Master 14. Well, that was a great interview. Oh, my God. Moral. We all know their voices. <clears throat> Let me get Trevor with his smooth, used car salesman professionalism. <laughs> Lauren with that distract, when will this be over vibe? <laughs> and let, <laughs> not... <clears throat> Okay. <laughs> and let's not forget Leo. Some have described Leo's voice of that of that of an angel. Well, hold on, I read that wrong. It says uh, the voice of a creepy uncle half stone on cough syrup and lasagna. Yes. Yes. <laughs> regardless, these three have regardless, these three have forever changed the face of horror podcasting and no doubt a lasting effect on the tens of listeners that accidentally downloaded <laughs> you know them you love them ladies and gentlemen the boot group <laughs> oh my god you think that was bad he was reading it to me in the car earlier and it was like worse than that like he was peeing his pants that was, that was like, incredible like, either, either gonna laugh or they're gonna be like that's, that's not cool incredible <laughs> No, it was amazing. Oh my god, I have abs now. I have abs now. Oh man, I'm laughing so hard. My favorite Shit. is Lauren. When will this be over? <laughs> that was incredibly written. Oh my god. My right. god. Uh, Holy shit. That is well done. I'm speechless. <laughs> okay, let's get down to this. Wow. Well, wow. Okay, oh, that was uh, that was incredible. Wow. Well, so okay, Spider and Chrissy. Yeah. Join myself and Lauren to announce something brand new that starts today. Do you guys want to make the announcement? I think I've done enough. (laughs) (laughs) Chrissy, how about you? Well, today we are launching a brand new narrative podcast called Bleeders Digest, where we're doing all original stories, horror stories, obviously. And it's going to be a fully immersive theatrical experience. Kind of has the feel of the old radio vibes. There's going to be something for everybody. And we're crazy excited. And we've been working on this like insane for, for people months. for months. Yeah. So it's finally here. There it is. What do you think, Leo? Leo, man, yeah. you, you, you've had the uh, pleasure of hearing some of these episodes in advance. What's your take on everything that's coming down the pike here? Well, I got to say, the very first time I heard this, my jaw dropped. And my expression was, wow, what the fuck? Like, seriously. <laughs> I mean, the stories are very immersive and captivating. I mean, they are well-written and very, very creepy. If you're wearing headphones, just turn it up, turn the lights out. I mean, you're going to paint the visuals in your head. These are some awesome, awesome stories. It's a little something for everybody. There's blood, there's guts, there's a creep factor that's on level 11. Yes, it goes to 11, boys and ghouls. So I cannot rave about this anymore i mean this is just the greatest thing that's about to come out and i caught a few episodes and there's some surprise guests along the way and i gotta say you guys have struck gold and i wish you the best of luck because this is the best thing to hit a whole hell of a lot of listeners out there so 
Hit like, subscribe, and you know, get the show because it's freaking awesome. Wow, Leo, thank you thank very you. much for the kind thank words you. on that. That's incredible, that's man. That's so nice. So in terms of the special guests, so that's one thing that will be introduced from time to time on this show. Are we are we d- revealing what some of those guests are now, or do people we have to subscribe? As much as we want, because we want people to go subscribe to this thing and download them and listen to them. So, but yeah, I mean, the, the idea is like we're all writing the stories, right? With the, between the four of us, we're writing these original stories, which is a massive undertaking. And uh, but we all bring a different voice, right? A little different vibe, different sensibilities, and what we find scary and. Uh, I think we're all drawing from our own personal experiences. And, uh, but we also have a lot of cool friends in the horror world that we're going to bring on board yeah. to uh, read some of these or to play characters. Just in the first, what, 10 episodes, we have three pretty cool guest voices. We have Bonnie Aarons, which uh, she's going to play Spider Lady in the episode that comes out today, along with The Whisper. And we also have Adam Bush, who has done a gazillion things, notably in horror. He did Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the series. And he's amazing. He plays a serial killer in one of the stories called My Sick Little Friend. And Trevor, Trev. you have a friend of yours. Yes, reading- that's right. Yeah. Spencer Charnis from Ice Nine Kills reads on one of my stories called The Feed. He's very, very creepy in it. And that's been something that's really been fun, too, is to uh, the idea also moving forward will be to introduce some former and future guests of the Boo Crew and incorporate them into these stories as well, because it's it's just a such a fun thing to be able to do and get creative with some of the guests as well. I wanted to go back to the beginning and just kind of talk a bit about how we all met. That is the weirdest story. Hands down. I think about that all the time because. We've all become so close, and I'm like, I was so scared of Trevor for like <laughs> I was as so you should, up, like as you should be. <laughs> and I was like, I was thinking about the other day, like how that all went down. It just like popped in my head, and it was really weird. We were, well, yeah, we so we were we lived well, we don't anymore. But we lived very close to each other, yeah, yeah. in the same neighborhood essentially. And one day, summer day or whatever, we were out cleaning our garage or something, and, <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden, this like sort of SUV minivan comes like a creepy white van. Yeah, like and he's like Chrissy Fox, and we're like, who is this guy? And I'm like, weird dude. But then I was like, oh, but he's he has a kid in the car, so I was like, maybe he's okay. But then I was like, wait a minute, he has a kid. Exactly right. So yeah, we chatted a little bit. I think we you told us a little bit about the podcast maybe at that well no what he did first was he told us a lot about ourselves like he knew so much shit yeah. about us. I was like <laughs> how does this guy know this this is so and then and then yeah and then you started talking about your podcast and then like i feel like the next day you emailed spider because he gave you your email your, your email and you said will you come be on the podcast and i'm like He's going to fucking kill you. I'm, I have to go with you. You know what? At that point, the podcast didn't even exist. We were still building the studio. Oh, that's what it was. You were talking about that's- building out the room in the house. Room. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And also a little bit of backstory. So, yeah, your house ended up being on the way. Like we would drive by it every day. It was on our way down to take the kids to school. It was our way down the hill to get into the city. Right. So we right. pass it every day. And at one point, I think Lauren said, I think Spider 
from Power Man 5000 lives down the street. I saw him spray painting leather jackets out in front of this, that house. And I was like, really? And then I drove down and I was like, oh shit, yeah, one day. And I, you know, just see you guys outside the house, or, you know, just driving and passing. And then one day I just decided, you know what? Next time I see them, I'm just going to stop by and say, hey, I was a huge fan of your work that you did on FearNet. And you were a correspondent and you would do different content for them and go to like Comic-Con and do interviews and all that stuff. And we were building this studio and I'm from a radio background. And I was working on just ideas of building different radio concept, maybe something in the horror vein. And I'd always thought that Spider would be a great collaborator because his stuff that he did on FearNet blew me away. Like the Spider is a broadcaster. I felt was like our untapped resource once FearNet went away. So that was kind of in my head at the time. And to know that you would just by chance live down the street. And yeah, so I stopped uh, and, and said, hey, that one day. And of course, you know, I knew of Chrissy from her songwriting work and with Nehi Fox and everything. I didn't put it together that you guys were together or anything at the time. That's basically it. Yeah, no, and the- we found out later that I had actually met Lauren years before on Love Love. Yes, That's crazy. Life. Yeah, so we've had like a history yeah, just to care. Yeah, and uh, Leo never met him before. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but Leo did. Leo, Leo funny might. story. Yeah, exactly. Leo probably. Well, yeah, has a funny story. story. I told you the story, of Spider. When I started working radio, my very first event was a Power Man Five Thousand show. <laughs> oh well, there you go. So we are destined to all be friends forever. Yeah, and then we ended up, I think, just hanging out after that and uh, just talking about doing something. Yeah, I got food. Well, and then, then you did go on the boot crew. You did the interview in the room. Yeah, and you that came. Was the first time we came to your house. Yep. Yeah. That's so I was like, you're going to go in the house. And then I was like, okay. Yeah. And then I realized that you guys are actually very cool. And it was fine. And it was just like, yeah, we just took a lot of like, huh. <laughs> well, and then... I remember you bought like a whole bunch of like Rob's furniture and like decor and stuff. And yeah, then like, by accident. <laughs> we didn't even so know right. that yeah. it was. Yeah, we didn't even know. We, yeah, we didn't know what it was until after who it belonged to. But uh, yeah, funny coincidence, funny coincidence <laughs> there is that uh, I guess an effects person that Rob works with, Wayne Toth, who does a lot of effects works and, you know, amazing horror films. I think he was part of the K&B crew for a while and now on his own. Him and his wife owned a Halloween store. And at one point, like Lauren and I would always go there and talk to them and hang out. And at one point, they had all this incredible stuff. There was life-size statues. There was an electric chair, a coffin-shaped wine rack, all this crazy stuff. And it was when Lauren and I had first started dating. We saw this amazing stuff. And Lauren ended up surprising me with all of it. Rented a U-Haul, opened up a credit card, and uh, drove it all to my apartment for Valentine's Day. So that's when I knew she was the one. I did well, yeah. not know who it belonged. We did not know who it belonged to till after the fact. We said, where did all this stuff come from? Oh, it was Rob's who was selling it on consignment. And I'm like, Rob, who, Rob, Rob, Rob Zombie Wayne, my husband works with him. And it's like, oh, wow. Okay. So there you go. Weird, weird we, story. We did all fall in love with each other. And now we all text and <laughs> all every single day and it's just it's become that now so that's very nice and sweet and thank god trev stopped because what would have happened if you hadn't right yeah you would have <laughs> gone to the guy from system of a downtown i feel like this is a better match but i don't know maybe i'm right wrong. i don't know yeah. so yeah now we're writing these uh fucked up stories together do we give away any of the stories now or do we just entice people to go listen or what do you think 
Let's tease a couple other ones that are coming. So the first two, people can listen to the first two right now. That would be The Whisper, written by you, Spider, and uh, Spider Lady, written by Chrissy Fox and starring Bonnie Ahrens, the nun from The Nun in the Conjuring universe, which is incredible. Yes, she is. She was intense in that. And she just is perfect. She's she's determined now. She's like, I want this to be a movie and I want to play the spider lady. I'm like, well, yeah, who else is going to play the spider lady? Bonnie, come on. I mean, that's what these are. They're all like little mini movies. I think every single one that we've done, we've said the same thing about this could be a series. This could be a movie. (laughs) This could, you know, because they have that feeling when you're listening to them, because we have we've gone in. I I don't know if we've explained that clearly enough that it's full sound design, narration, but characters and multiple actors within a story. It's not just somebody reading a story. This is like a full experience. They're pretty creepy and scary. The Whisper is the first one. And it's about this kid who grows up in a really horrible family environment and he's bullied at school and he's just life is a mess and going nowhere until all of a sudden one day he starts hearing this woman whispering things in his ear you know, advising him how to handle his business. And so it, as you can imagine, goes in some pretty dark territory. That's the opening episode. I think that was the very first one that we heard any of us had done, right? Was the whisper, right? Um, It could be, or no, I think it happened to us was the first. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It happened to us, which is, which is coming, which also has uh, some special guests. It does. It does. Well, yeah. Um, Several of the episodes actually feature Tyler Connolly from Theory of a Dead Man. He plays some characters in it and he's helped us out with some of the theme music. And um, and we have the feed coming after that, which Trev wrote, which is a very personal story. I think it's a true story about you, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) We will see. (laughs) And then shortly after that, we have um, Mr. Nobody, which... Uh, Lauren, that's actually came from from a real place. Yes, one of our kids has a imaginary friend named Mister Nobody, which is actually just really creepy, and it's even more creepy because she's heard the story and she's like, Mister Nobody doesn't like your Mister Nobody. Oh yeah, she yeah she said oh, that a bunch of times. Yeah, no. she gets all crazy when she hears it, like gets yeah. angry. Like Mister Nobody's really angry right now. You have to turn. He said to turn it off. Now you guys are going to be punished. Yeah. It's creepy. And, yeah, you, you know, it's based on Until a drawing. Uh, she drew with Mr. Nobody, right? Yeah, yeah. So she has been talking about like who she's playing with. And she's just talking to nobody. I'm like, who are you talking to one day? And she's like, Mr. Nobody. And I'm like, my heart stopped. I was like, who the, <laughs> who the hell is Mr. Nobody? And she's like, Mr. Nobody. And I'm like, what does Mr. Nobody look like? And she's like, nobody you've ever seen. They'll be playing and I have no idea. And Mr. Nobody comes in the car. Uh, she blames things on Mr. Nobody. And See, I didn't realize this was this Mr. Nobody thing ran that deep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Made it up as a character. I didn't realize this was actually part of your real life. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You know, not as sinister <laughs> as the one in the story, but yeah, yeah. it's definitely yet. full on. Inspired. Yeah. Yeah. Yet. Full on yeah. inspired by real life. Also, just our, just general influences when it comes to doing this stuff. What do you find you're drawing from as far as inspiration goes for the stories and content and sort of things that you're doing with your stories in this? Well, with mine, actually, some of them, I did one recently called STFU, Shut the Fuck Up. 
that was actually a short I had written that I hadn't made yet. And I wanted to, but then I was like, you know what, this is just such a crazy story. I think that this will fit really well with the podcast. So I ended up just kind of changing the script around to make it more of a short story form. But um, that was really cool. And that one, a girl wakes up trapped in a bathroom after an earthquake and she's injured. And then she slowly starts realizing that maybe it wasn't an earthquake after all. And so it becomes this larger story, which is really fun to do. But I feel like, um, and I'm sure you guys feel the same way. I get really influenced by a lot of different subgenres. So, you know, when I did um, my sick little friend, which Adam Bush played the serial killer, I really, I was, I really liked the idea of just like interviewing a serial killer and just like getting deep into like them telling like the things they do and why they do it. But then also of course, incorporating a twist because every good story needs a twist. But I just think it's been really fun to try to like challenge yourself every week and do like a totally different type of story, maybe messing with a different subgenre and just doing, just trying to approach it in a different way. So everything maybe isn't first person. Maybe sometimes it's conversational. Maybe sometimes it's someone else telling the story and, it, that's been kind of the funnest part for me is just just kind of exploring all the different ways you can go with it. And you can do it so much quicker than, say, if you were making a film. Sure. Yeah. I have to worry about getting a set yeah. or access to cameras yeah. or whatever else. Yeah. Finding, finding uh, you know, what potentially scares you or scares other people and then just personalizing it and finding those characters that you can play and relate to. Like I, I'm, one in particular, the tapes of King's Chapel, which is probably the, my favorite one so far I've written. I was able to sort of dive back into my Boston roots and bring back my Boston accent. And I referenced some places that I would hang out like Kenmore square. And it takes place in the late eighties, early nineties and based around a guy that works at a used record shop, which is based on a record store that I used to go to all the time. And so that's the fun part too, is diving into some things that, you know, were are real to you. And then, the, the, then those characters become so much more uh, believable when you listen to these stories. What inspires you in terms of twists, Spider? Because I know like you are really damn good at that fucking little twist that just makes you go, whoa. That is the tricky part, right? That's the hard because that's that sort of, I guess, came from us, you know, making so many short films that I always say a short film is like almost like a great joke where you, you just don't see the punchline coming and then it turns into something else. And that really is the challenge because you you know, the biggest compliment someone can say when they listen to one of your stories is that they had no idea where it was going, you know, no idea what was going to happen. And that's no when you know you did the right thing. It's sort of like the, the goal in the hardest part of writing these for me anyway. But yeah, that's that's when it, I don't feel like it's done until you have that left turn and then you think like, oh, well, that's that's where we're going. And then you turn again. And I think that's always like the the goal in, in making these things. And moving forward, this is something that we do definitely plan on opening up to you listening for you to be able to submit what you have on your mind as far as story ideas and scripts, which is something that we would love to eventually explore and work into this as well, because we feel it's really important to include you listening in this adventure with us. Yeah, yeah it'd yeah. be great to have like, a, I don't know, one every 20 episodes, have a listener, have that be their episode and, and be able to bring whatever they wrote to life with our technology. I mean, with our capabilities of sound design and music and, you know, how amazing that'd be for some, 
some kid who wrote a story who lives in Fort Wayne, Indiana and has, you know, whoever Bill Mosley voiced the character or something, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> I, so I think it'd be really, uh, really fun for, for, to involve the, the audience, you know? Definitely. No, I'm yeah. psyched for that. I'm so excited to get this going. And again, this is going to be the latest addition to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network, which, yeah. you know, great friends really of ours cool and right family. To be part of that whole scene and those yeah. guys, and they've done so much of horror over the years. And you guys have been partners with them for so long now. It's just, uh, that's what makes it even cooler to be part of this weird little family of horror nuts you know yeah yeah you know what randomly that's where i got first exposed to the music of chrissy fox's band knee high fox is bloody disgusting did a feature on on chrissy i forget like years back and listed some of your favorite horror films and things like that and you were talking about the texas chainsaw massacre i remember in that article and the yeah, picture they, uh, they in the bathtub. I think you're bloody in a bathtub. I think <laughs> in the photo. Yeah, they did like they did several. They we did a few exclusive releases um, when we would release a new video or a new song with Bloody Disgusting, and then yeah, and then they reached out and they did this uh, article, and they they said like they picked the top five upcoming bands, uh, hard rock bands they thought were going to be a big deal, and they put us in there, which was like crazy because we were brand new, and I was like, this is amazing. And then they hit me up and asked me to, yeah, contribute to that article. And they've been just super supportive from the beginning and by far one of my favorite websites. So I'm just like freaking out that we get to have our podcast on there. So it's awesome. Before we wrap it up, is it okay if we go into a little bit of your film projects that's going on right now and just get a little update on the status of everything that you guys are working on and, and that's currently out in the festival circuit and everything? I have a film coming out this year called Frank. It's an anthology, five-part anthology, but they all t- all the stories tie together ultimately for one big finale. I signed a distribution deal with Alameda Entertainment, which is a sister company of AMP Entertainment, and um, they are going to be distributing the film. We should have news in the next probably couple months of where we'll be releasing and when, which will be soon. And we did just do a screening for cast and crew, which is really fun. And then I'm actually, I just wrapped my second feature, which is starring Bonnie Aarons called I Live Alone. And it's about a woman who is very reclusive and lives by herself, but her niece has to come live with her because her mother gets sick. The niece starts realizing that maybe the aunt lives alone for a very dark and dangerous reason. And she starts to believe that she's a serial killer. As you can imagine, Bonnie is very believable as a serial killer. So that was, it's been a really fun and crazy project to do. And we actually have a short version of that film doing the festival circuit right now. So um, we're starting to get early acceptances, which has been really exciting. And that's kind of what made us decide to expand it into a feature. And the short is amazing. My God. And to see Bonnie Aaron's really in one of the first big speaking roles that I've seen yeah. her in, you know, just being so used to seeing her as a nun in the Conjuring universe, if it's not a demonic growl, yeah. we haven't heard Bonnie in this way before. And in Spider Lady, my God, in the in the Bleeders Digest, episode two, she, Spider's Lady, lady she's yeah. incredible. She's very yeah. good. And, you know, it, the first time I worked with Bonnie was actually she was in Frank as well. And I went the opposite way that everyone else does with her. I have no makeup, sweatpants, like regular. And just like, I'm like, just be she is such a character as a human being. I'm like, be yourself. Like, and she just is so intense and, and like captivating in the film that it made me want to make, I live alone. And with her, I, when I wrote it, I, she was 
in my head from the beginning. I'm like, you have to play this character. I wrote this for you. Mm-hmm. And she's been amazing. And it's been really cool to like see her just, yeah, get out there as like just a legit hardcore actress. Like she's a great actress. And I feel like, you know what, like she's obviously can scare the shit out of people, but she's got a lot of depth and she's just um, really powerful. Yeah. In both films. So I'm, super lucky to get to work with her oh for sure for sure one one thing to note as well uh you know we gotta reference her performance in jacob's wife yeah i'd so seen good. i'd seen christy short before i i saw jacob's wife and she does have a beautiful monologue in jacob's wife where you really get a taste of i think, what she's I think like people so just have no, had no have no idea like she is so much more that she's putting out there and i mean she's been around forever she's done so many films but I feel like, yeah, Jacob's wife, they really captured her perfectly. And um, she was so composed and like, I went to the drive-in and saw it opening night with her and just like to watch her light up when she came on. And it was just, I don't know. She just, I feel like she, her and Barbara were like in that movie. Crazy. And then how about you, Spider, with uh, Allegoria and everything you got cooking? Yeah, Allegoria is going to be a feature similar to the Frank thing where it's it's five separate stories that complete one full-length feature. I'm shooting this, the final chapter this month. So that's going to be done. I've got John Ennis and Adam Bush and Scout Compton, our friend Scout mm-hmm. is in it. It's basically five, what I say, it's five stories about art and monsters. And each story is based on a different art form. So even acting story, a painting story, a screenwriting story, a sculpting story, and a music story. And they all are intertwined and in, intertangled through circumstance and character. And uh, it's really like a, a very vibey horror. You know, I always reference uh, Rod Serling's Night Gallery or even movies like The Black Swan, things like that. That's very like, it's horror of the humankind. You know, each character is tortured by their own insecurities and ego and, and that which generally haunt most artists, all these human failings manifest in these horrific monstrous ways. So it's, uh, it's going to be great. And I'm so excited to do the last part, which you're in, you're in the first one and the last one, (laughs) you're sort of at the center of all the madness, but, um, as I always am, (laughs) (laughs) it's really fun that we wrote because the last chapter is, is the theme is about music. And, and, uh, it was really fun because we got to create this fake band. And today we recorded the song that the band's going to be playing. Oh shit. No way. Fun. That's uh, I mean, that's going to be done and this month and we'll, the way we do post and edit, it'll probably be done the next day after we shoot. (laughs) Oh, you guys are machines, man. Amazing. It's amazing to see. It's pretty cool. I mean, we think about this crazy year of COVID, you know, where we felt like we're not doing anything because a lot of our normal stuff has been taken away, like music for me, there hasn't been any touring. And, but then I look back on this year, we've made, we'll have made three feature films. <laughs> oh my God. And a short. And well, and, yeah. And then done this podcast with you guys. And then, right. <laughs> and, uh, oh, and I'm, I have a comic book coming out too. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I still feel like I'm doing nothing but sitting on the couch. I don't know. That's a good yeah. place to be. I kept four humans alive. Yes, you did. Yes. I did. Four little that's, people. That's a big deal. Yeah. It's the yeah. hardest job in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, is there anything else we want to promote uh, on this? Uh, we should talk about where you can get the episodes. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Acast, 
Spotify, Odyssey, and YouTube. The first two episodes are out right now. So you don't have to wait. As soon as you're done listening to this, you can jump over and find Bleeders Digest. And I guarantee you're going to love it. Yeah. And also bleedersdigest.com, D-I-E, because die, get it. And, oh, yeah, right. Make sure and they- bloodydisgusting.com. <laughs> if you know, you're struggling, go on their website. You'll find us. And a brand new episode every Thursday, God willing, or the yeah. Satan willing. <laughs> Satan willing. The Boo Crew will be right back. Bloody Disgusting presents Bleeders Digest. Original scary stories and dark fiction delivered as a fully immersive theatrical experience. Created and curated by Spider One, Chrissy Fox, and Trevor and Lauren Shand. From your speakers, straight into your psyche. I'm nobody. Nicole, someone was in the house. The story is called The Whisper. Tiny spiders tunneling into her flesh. <laughs> Bleeders Digest. New every week. Subscribe on your favorite podcast provider to never miss an episode. Bleeders Digest is a presentation of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining the Boo Crew via the Speakeasy studio are two really awe-inspiring creators. First up, she's been an essential part of bringing to life some of the most fun and terrifying films of the past two decades. Movies that went on to become cult classics that redefined teen comedies like National Lampoon's Van Wilder and John Tucker Must Die, winning her a Breakout Actress Award. Horror films that continue to be rediscovered to this day, like Dave Meyer's incredible revisit to the story of The Hitcher in 2007 that won her the Breakout Actress Award for the second time. She's changed the game in television with incredibly brave and inventive choices on shows like Ryan Murphy's Emmy-winning Nip Tuck and his Brooke Davis on perhaps the greatest teen drama series of all time, One Tree Hill, The People's Choice-nominated partners, Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, and so much more. And she has used the strength of her voice and conviction on this phenomenal platform she has built to amplify the inner courage of others, fighting for LGBTQIA plus rights, marriage equality, human rights, women's rights, gun control, and as a founding member of Time's Up. She funnels this energy and curiosity into her amazing work in progress podcast. Also here with us, a true original, recklessly fearless and undeniable genius writer and master performer who turned a self-produced web series into a cultural sensation and one of the funniest TV shows in history, the Emmy-winning Broad City. She's appeared in countless short series and features, Lucia Aniello's award-winning Rough Night alongside Scarlett Johansson and Kate McKinnon, voice work in Netflix's Emmy-winning Green Eggs and Ham and more. This past year, she gave us her own brilliant comedy special, The Planet is Burning, for Amazon. She has this magic spell over an audience because she makes us feel like we know her. This innate mix of transparency and vulnerability with the reward of weaponizing us with awareness, education and evolution with social movements like the Generator Collective and Black Lives Matter. Together, their newest project is a stunning horror film about a couple, Lucy and Adrian, who in their quest to have a baby, find their dream fertility doctor. But after becoming pregnant, Lucy finds that things might not be what they seem. It's a Hulu original film out on June 25th. It is called False Positive. We are honored to be joined by its co-writer and stars, Alana Glazer and Sophia Bush. Yeah! Yeah! 
my God, can you come everywhere with us? <laughs> Trevor. Damn, Trevor. Wow. Have you ever felt better about yourself? That was incredible. <laughs> Wow. You guys are the incredible ones. Are you kidding me? My yes. Lord. Yeah. Thank you for that. That was so generous. Thank well, you. Listen, congrats on this startling, very poignant and terrifying journey. And we wanted to start off by just getting into your own personal experience with the horror genre. What is the first time you remember being exposed to horror as a viewer? And how did it make you feel? We could start with Alana. Oh my gosh, you just brought me back to, I don't remember the specific movie or what, but I remember this, <laughs> this tool I used to use when experiencing a horror movie as a kid, which maybe points to my life choices later, but I would be like, I would be scared watching a movie and be like, it's, um, costumes and they rehearsed this and they I would that's how I would talk myself through and then I'll cut and they do it again it's just it's pretend just pretend you know like I would talk myself out of it by thinking about the reality (laughs) (laughs) of what it meant to make it I don't remember really I I can think of more um, specific ones I guess I like I watched more classics like The Shining. Really, I really always loved psychological thrillers versus like gore. That's origins. And then Sophia, how about you? Oh my God, you just took me back. <laughs> First of all, to thinking about all the movies I watched like this. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, that's, maybe that was a precursor for my life and like the horror show that are in internet comments where you're like, I'm not going to look. I'm just going to peek. No, it was a mistake. I shouldn't have looked. Or I should have. Uh, Never look. Never look. But you reminded me of I I went through this like phase, I think, when I realized I wanted to apply to colleges, um, you know, for for theater school for acting programs. And I was like, I should really get serious about films. I'm gonna watch classic important films. And one night I decided to watch The Shining. I don't remember where my parents were, but they weren't home. And I started it when the sun was still up meaning there were no lights on in the house. And I was like under a blanket shaking, watching this movie. And the back of my parents' den is just like all glass so in the dark. And I like, I kept thinking like, I'm going to look over and his face is just going to be there. And I was so scared that I was like, I'm probably never going to make a horror movie. And I just keep making them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that feeling that you're talking about, that you're both talking about, it's a part of the horror genre, right? That, that visceralness. What do you feel it is about the lens of horror that makes it such a great way to elevate a story and also such an impactful meditation on things from social issues and, and culture. And you do this in this film as well. I love most when horror is pulling from psychological horror, social horror. I love when it reflects reality. I think the world is so genuinely scary to be a part of and awe-inspiring and wondrous and curious, but there's so much real horror and it, it really does help, I think, to connect on it through art and, and it helps categorize and contain real-life experiential What do you feel it is about the lens of horror that makes it so powerful to explore those issues with? Yeah. And I guess I'm saying that's like the preference I have for horror. Like, I I think it's, um, it's just interesting as a, 
comedian to swim in like joy and, and, and laughter and funny stuff and humanity in that way. But the humanity that horror can bring is helpful and actually connective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I, I think much like you and, and probably why I was so drawn to the movie that you wrote, I'm a fan of psychological horror. I don't love torture porn. I'm like, okay, there's a person in the, and like, if it's your thing, fine, but it's not, I don't love it. For me, maybe it's because it feels so far out of reality and also like my worst nightmare. Um, but the, the more psychological things that are about what might be inside of us or, or what might uh, be the thing that we're most likely to turn away from that happens around us in society, those things feel incredibly worthy of inspection and interrogation. And I think it's the same lens that we approach a lot of social justice issues with. What does the data science say? What is the experience of a community? So if you're looking at some of the the sort of, to Alana's point, in all the magic of being human and being alive, the dark stuff that we can do to each other, how can you really examine how that's possible when we are capable of so much good? A horror movie can give you the lens through which to utilize metaphor and, and hold a mirror up to the stuff we don't like to look at. And I do, I do love, you know, I, I loved Get Out. What, I mean, a complete like wrinkle in time and the culture, but also like certain um, just emotions that scare us. Like Baba Duke, have you guys seen Baba oh, yeah. Duke? Yeah. You know, it's like the, those feelings around motherhood or there was this other movie that John Lee recommended me that I watched and it was like this really gorgeous vampire movie, but really it was just about desire. I even just love when it's like about an emotion that is scary to experience when it's really lit up inside. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And horror films definitely give us that, that something we just can't shake, right? We think about it and meditate it on it, you know, when the lights are mm. off, especially Leo, you have a question, pop in. Yeah, Ilana, one of the plot points in this film is almost taken from news headlines from not that long ago involving a real-life fertility doctor. Without giving out any spoilers, did that news story help craft the plot of this film? Ger Earl. That's not just one headline. That is, it, it is um, an epidemic. This very important puzzle piece of the story of false positive is rampant. I really love the, um, as you can tell from <laughs> False Positive, I love the the sick shit <laughs> about patriarchy and bringing it up to light and being like, don't you see, you know, whether it's in comedy or horror. And this piece of truth about fertility medicine is rampant. I didn't get that from one headline. I learned it years ago and held on to it and like looked it up and it's, it's in a lot of places. And once I made this movie or, or at least wrote it and we were going to make it, I was getting like a checkup from my gynecologist and telling her about it. And um, she, she loved Pierce Brosnan and I was telling her about it, but she, she knew someone, she knew a doctor who had done this. She knew we did a Tribeca panel. And a guy who was like on the switchboard or whatever came on after and was like, I'm a a product of this as a child. This is, it is rampant. And a a big foundational part of the experience of making this film for me 
is that, how do I say this? I realized in making this, in making art about this issue, that policy protects the people who write policy. So this horror that is uh, revealed in this film, perfectly legal, legal. There's no protection against it because it's rare for pregnant people, for people who've been pregnant, for female bodied people. It's just harder for them to make laws. So yeah, it's a, it's an epidemic. If you had written this while you were pregnant, how would the story have changed or would it have stayed the same? I almost was like, I couldn't have, but it's like, yeah, I could have. And I don't know. I don't know how it would like, I've actually had such a uh, gentle and sensitive and yeah, I mean, I said awe-inspired, so it's weird to say it again in the same interview, but awe-inspired experience. I've had such a cosmic and spiritual experience around my pregnancy that I don't I don't know that I would have reached the same level of, I just, I, I can't even imagine writing this film pregnant. I can't even imagine it. I Maybe it would be the same, actually. I, I just... I don't know, but my, my conception of pregnancy before and now is so different that now I, I feel like, uh, inspired to make sort of like comedies and more connective, um, broadly representative art about the experience of pregnancy. Whereas I think it was actually important that I had never been pregnant in writing this. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah, Sophia, you play a fascinating best friend character to Lucia during a film production. Did you know the entire plot and what your character was up to? Yeah, it, it was really important for me to understand the entire arc of the story. And, you know, because Alana and I do share such a passion for activism and social justice work, and we work on a lot of the same issues across the country, we were all of us reeling from what, you know, the Trump presidency meant, what the unleashing of this kind of torrent of attacks on women and our bodies and reproductive justice and, and all of these things meant. It was like he, he, he like opened the gates at the racetracks for all the worst people who want to make laws about us that are not us to kind of come to the table. And it felt really, um, dystopian and to be processing this national moment in this very specific film with these specific characters and to be processing our experiences as women um, reacting to this, understanding that this best friend could, because of her own invisible to her, internalized misogyny, gaslight her best friend could be the kind of woman who said, well, what does your husband think about that? Well, what did your, what did the doctor say about that? What's his opinion? What is his opinion about your body? Meanwhile, we're two women sharing an experience and, and my character's entire lens through which she can validate or invalidate that experience is the opinion of the men not having it. I was like, oh man, I hate being inside of this place. <laughs> But it felt like such an important moment. It felt like a really important mirror to hold up um, because so many of us have internalized our own systematic oppression 
and and we're in this moment of learning and unlearning as a society. And I really had to think about who is a person who hasn't learned some of the lessons that my friend and I making this movie have learned. How do we harm each other when trying to love each other? And it was, I get nauseous when I think about it. Like my throat starts to close up a little and my chest gets really clammy. Um, it, It was a hard place to be and it felt dirty. And I have empathy also for the things we've been steeped in all these years that we're discovering inside of ourselves. Yeah. I just want to like add this thought that's coming up where it feels somewhat sacrificial. Like this was a really, it was painful to be Lucy. It was painful to be Corgan for Sophia for us to look at each other. And she's telling me I'm crazy. It was super painful. So there's this aspect of it that felt sacrificial or whatever, not or whatever, just say the word that felt sacrificial. Uh, But it's also like, it's also a gift to go deeper into that darkness, to have the opportunity to go deeper into that darkness and not as I usually am trying to like distance and distance and distance. It's almost like if you're learning language and you you're like, I'm only going to speak Spanish today. And then you you're like going back between Spanish and English. It's like there's always more consciousness to raise in your own experience. Mm-hmm. So it also was like while I wanted to distance myself from Lucy, I was also like, I am her just speaking to also Sophia saying about having empathy for the character. It's like, we're both on a spectrum on the same spectrum. Sure. One last, yeah. one last thing. I think we're, we're running out of time here, but I wanted to just touch on the dizzying effect of the film. Talking about that scene too, things that I notice about, you know, when, when you guys are talking in the cafe, every time that happens, the film is drenched in light. All the, the background actors are all women. And then you have a stark reality at the awards ceremony when all the background actors are mostly men. There's different tricks with mirrors that are going on. And it's completely immersive in the fact that it constantly messes with the audience and bends the viewer's sense of what is real. There's poetry in the way the scenes intermingle and fade into each other. It has Mm -hmm. the unsettling power of like a waking dream. What was the intent of taking us down that funnel to give us this world? It was very intentional. There were these. It's so interesting in film and tv but specifically in film to have the space to practically design a feeling rather than cgi or you add it later or it's a wash of color and post okay we can make this better but to do it with the the background actors and the light like ahead of time was it really helped um john and i produce it in the way that we wanted to um, I'm so glad that you noticed it. We were like, <laughs> um, Sophia, since you just saw it, uh, how did it feel? Yeah, so much, so much of exactly those feelings, so much of a creeping sense of something being off. And I, There's a moment, um, I'm trying to think of how to talk about this without giving something away. There's a moment that you just referenced um, where there are these tricks with mirrors. And there is a moment in the film close to the end where the mirror trick happens again. And it's the first time that as the audience, you think, oh, I have no idea what side of this mirrored experience I've been seeing this whole time is the real one. Mm -hmm. And, and, 
every time you think you know what's going on, there's something that makes you feel uncomfortable and makes you question what you're seeing and who's right. And, and that, I think, is really the dizzying experience that so many people have when being gaslit and when being harmed. It's, it's so real because it's so amorphous, I think. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. And thank you for taking yes. on this journey of this film. We appreciate it so much. This conversation was such a pleasure. You are pros. Thank you so much. You guys are great. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 237. Special thanks to our guests, Ilana Glazier and Sophia Bush. At time of release, their new film, False Positive, is available on Hulu June 25th. Also thanks to Spider One and Chrissy Fox, the newest addition to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network is Bleeders Digest. They are the creators and curators, along with myself and Lauren, at time of release. The first two episodes are available now on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast provider with a brand new original story every Thursday. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Tell your friends if you like what you're hearing and be an important part of growing the show and keeping it coming. Production tracks provided by Power Man 5000. Till next time, it's the Boo Crew saying sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shands and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the bloody disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network. Home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews. SCP archives. Weekly full-cast storytelling. Horror queers. Genre commentary from an LGTBQ perspective. And creepy. For disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.